No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Lord speaks the Ten Commandments from the top of Mount Sinai in the hearing of all the people. This forms the basis for the entire Mosaic Law. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 20 on Simply the Bible. We now come to the giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The Lord proved himself trustworthy by delivering his people from the bondage of Egypt. Now he desired to enter a covenant with them. If they kept his commandments, then they would be a special treasure, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. The people solemnly agreed to do all that the Lord said. So now God appeared on the mountain in a thick, dark cloud and fire to announce the Ten Commandments in an audible voice. God's holy nation would be ruled by law and governed and protected by God. Later, the Lord would inscribe these commandments with his own finger into two tablets of stone. It is commonly believed that the first tablet contained the first four commandments dealing with man's relationship to God, and the second tablet contained the last six commandments dealing with man's relationship to man. Verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. The sojourn in Egypt had taken its toll. The children of Israel had joined with their neighbors in their idolatrous practices. While not abandoning Yahweh completely, they had treated him as one of many gods. But as a young woman must forsake all her other lovers to become one flesh with her husband, now God was calling his covenant bride to forsake all other gods to cleave only to him. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments." Pagan religions were dependent upon carved images, but God would have no such worship from his people. He would not be misrepresented by man-made images. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The demonstration of fire, smoke, thunderings, and lightnings, and quakings showed that Yahweh was far beyond such vain and carnal representations. He would not share his glory with anyone or anything else, for he is a jealous God. Now that statement offends some people because they think of jealousy in its negative, selfish, and sinful context. But a husband who would be apathetic while his wife entertained other lovers could hardly be called a husband. 
the two become one flesh, and there is no room for anyone else. Likewise, God will not share the love due him with anyone else. What does it mean that God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate him? Does this mean that there are generational curses so that God punishes the children for the sins of the fathers? This misrepresentation became a proverb in the time of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18.2 says, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. God was so disturbed by this proverb that was being circulated that he forbade them to ever even say it. Then he went on to great lengths to explain that the soul who sins shall die. In the second commandment, God speaks of the judgment he brings to those who despise him by worshiping false gods. The awful consequences of their idolatrous practices will continue to the third and fourth generation. But many times God turned away his wrath from the children of idolatrous parents when they repented of the sins of their parents and turned to him. Now look at verse 6 in contrast. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. God may bring judgment to three or four generations of those who hate him, but he shows mercy to thousands of generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. The greatest heritage we can give our children and grandchildren is a lifetime of loving service to the Lord. It will pay handsome dividends for generations to come. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The name of the Lord is spelled Y-H-W-H. Since it has no vowels, its pronunciation is uncertain, but usually pronounced Jehovah or Yahweh. Because his name is holy, we should be very careful never to misuse it in an irreverent or cavalier sort of way. A phrase like, oh my God, as an expression of surprise is inappropriate. Certainly, when someone blasphemes the name of God by using it in place of a swear word, it is taking his name in vain. Another way of breaking this commandment would be to swear an oath in his name and then fail to keep it. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. This commandment has its roots in the creation week. God worked six days and rested on the seventh and set it apart and blessed it. The principle is taking one day in seven for rest and worship. While it's certainly healthy for everyone, the Sabbath law was the sign of the covenant that God made with Israel here at Mount Sinai. In the new covenant, we are not under the Sabbath law, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, 
which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Jesus is now our Sabbath rest because we rest from our efforts of salvation by works. Nevertheless, I believe in the God-ordained principle of taking one day in seven to rest from your normal routine, not as a law, but as a healthy practice under grace. We now come to the second tablet dealing with man's relationship with his fellow man. Verse 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The word translated honor means to give weight to. The relationship with our parents is the first relationship of our lives and often the most enduring. Our parents took care of us and we should give them weight by listening to them and taking care of them, especially as they grow older. The last two years of her life, my mother lived with us and I'm so thankful that we had the opportunity to care for her. Paul points out that this is the one commandment with a promise that we may live a long life. Verse 13, you shall not murder. The second recorded sin in the Bible is murder. But Jesus made it clear in Matthew 5.22 that the commandment deals not only with the physical act, but also with the heart attitudes. Anger that festers gives way to resentment, resentment to bitterness, and bitterness to hatred. If you start wishing that somebody doesn't exist, then there's murder in the heart. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Again, Jesus quoted this commandment and indicated that it applied not only to the physical act, but also to the heart attitude of lusting for someone other than your spouse. Doesn't this also apply to pornography? We live in a society inundated with images, dress, provocative speech, and attitudes that anything goes. So it is increasingly difficult to stay sexually pure. But we must make every effort to be above reproach. Too many have fallen and destroyed relationships because they entertain lustful thoughts. In Matthew 5, 28, Jesus warned us to deal radically with lust, lest we be cast into hell. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. I think much stealing flies under the radar. So don't borrow and fail to return. If something's copyrighted, don't reproduce it without permission. If someone gives you too much change, then return it. Don't take what you didn't pay for unless someone who's authorized gives it to you. Pay your tithes. If you don't, then you're robbing God. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This primarily refers to being a witness in court. Our whole judicial system is dependent upon people telling the truth under oath. Paul extends this principle to always being truthful. Colossians 3.9 says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 17, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. To covet means to have a strong desire for. And that doesn't mean that if your neighbor buys a lawnmower that you can't go out and get the same lawnmower. 
It means that you shouldn't desire what belongs to someone else to the point that you do anything to get it, even violating the law or harming your neighbor. It is interesting that this commandment was the one that convicted the Apostle Paul. He said in Romans 7, 7, For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. Verse 18, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. After hearing the Lord speak the Ten Commandments in an audible voice, they never wanted to hear that voice again. And they told Moses, you speak with God and tell us what to do. But Moses told them not to be terrified. God appeared to them this way so that they would fear the Lord and not sin. The law shows us that we have all sinned and broken God's commandments. It reveals our helpless and hopeless condition so that we would despair of our own self-righteousness. May we allow it to convict us and lead us to Christ for confession and cleansing and salvation. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll examine the righteous laws God gives for His altar and for servants. This has something to say to everyone who willingly serves Christ. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Exodus on Simply the Bible.